Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel McFadden. I hope you guys are all well out there. I hope you're uh, getting after it and looking after your people, looking after your family and friends and building connections like we've been talking about, getting on, getting on with the homework. Uh, we've really enjoyed having you guys drop in for some of these little lives we're doing on Insta. It's all a brave new world for us. We've got uh, an amazing new sort of IT slash social media support, Steph, who's joined the team and she's like, you guys need to do this, 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 and this. And we're like, there's three gorillas here and there's one person who knows what we're doing. So new stuff's happening. New stuff's happening for us. We've got the YouTube. We've got all the stuff going out in the usual channels. Uh, Heroes Media Group, Adam Bird, with all that back-end support, which we really appreciate. And uh, yeah, we're here for another another conversation. We love and appreciate you guys stopping in. And uh, we do continue to pick up feedback that this stuff's making a difference for people out there. So we're going to keep doing it as long as, as long as there's one person out there who gets a benefit from it. And we, uh, we read and appreciate every bit of feedback we ever get. Anyway, joining me, my regular compadre, Mike, how are you, mate? Regular compadre. I listened to last week's episode. I heard what you and Raf were talking about. So don't bullshit me. Well, it does happen to the one who's not there, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Let's talk about the one who's missing, who canceled <laughs> last minute. Yes, again. Last minute. Lastminute.com. That's right. You know, and uh, it's nothing new. This is what we deal with, Tio. We love him to death. But sometimes he's the last minute guy. You know, he's a minute man. Not in that way, but in other ways. <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when it comes luckily, to be on time. Luckily, luckily, you were just sitting around doing nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, it's uh, it's two thirty in the morning here, and I wasn't doing. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's, oh my it's, god. it's no big deal. I couldn't really sleep, but um, you know, I soon as Raph was like, "Hey, some stuff happened, and I need to uh, skip. Can I push twenty four? Which he usually does, like literally five minutes before we're ready to record. Um, I think he was about eight minutes, so it's a little bit of a a better heads up. <laughs> but um, you know, there's a famous quote. It's uh by Tio, it's I'm almost there. And it's by the Mexican that's not almost there. So <laughs> <laughs> literally him and literally the definition of him in the warrant officer capacity when he was in the army. So <laughs> it matches up in all aspects yeah. of life. Is this like the I'll be five minutes brackets much more than five minutes needed? Yeah. Two hours later he wakes up and peeks out from under his blankets and he's like, oh, oh my oh. God. Uh-oh. His best ever, his best ever was when he coordinated the time for us, <laughs> and he rolled over and he was sleeping. He rolled over and grabbed his phone and said, "I'm just about there," and put his phone down. Went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good teammate. And you and I did the, we did the whole episode, and then he dialed in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, man, I love him, uh, you know. But oh, Tio, get your life together, man. He's eating too much velvet taco and too many burpees. He just needs to sleep. I think he heard there was a special on like avocados and you know, it was like a 40 minute drive and he just jumped in the truck and took off. He just beelined it over I mean, there. He can make, he just beelined it. I mean, he used to turn up here when he would come over on weekends and he would bring like a, a cooler or an esky as we say in Australia. And it'd just be full of food, like really unreal stuff. He and, he and Beastman, shout out to, uh, Kenneth Astwood out there in Germany doing the doing the deal. When they were both here, they'd turn up with like lobster tails and everything. And Raf would get out all of that fine uh, ingredients and just watching him just generate his mum's guacamole and other uh, Mexican dishes was unreal. Anyway, we can't compliment him too much because he's not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's enough. I'm I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, how are you, mate? You've been absolutely doing the business and working through some heavy training, all the stuff that the listeners, I know there's heaps of people out there who've got uh, military experience and sure. they'd all have some sense of what it is that you do in a heavy training rotation. And, uh, you know, I, I know you've been super busy. I really appreciate you making the time to, to get together here. Is there some sort of overview you'd be able to just let people know sort of a, a basic idea of what it is that you've been doing in the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, I've just been on the road and been doing a lot of um 
I'll just say intensive training. And with all with, with all due respect, I don't like to get into a lot of specifics of stuff that I do. And yeah, you know, just 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 from off the beginning of doing this show, you know, I like to keep things vague and I don't like to get into training because this isn't about me or my job and what I do in particular. Um, I, I like to focus more on lessons learned and things about life that you can extract because I believe in, in anybody can that's served in the military, especially is it's kind of like a, uh, you know, a microchasm of life. Uh, mm. You learn a lot of lessons very fast in a short amount of time that you can totally extract and look out of like, oh man, this, this kind of looks like my life at, at the same time. You know what I mean? And you walk away uh, well, you should walk away a little bit more mature, a little bit more worldly. Your your eyes are more open uh, to to different things and more receptive. And you know, it's basically what I'm talking about. But anyway, it's not about specifics. But yes, uh, very intensive training, long days, long nights, mostly working at night. Um, that's where we make our money. And um, yeah, just uh, I was explaining to to Melon just a little bit, you know, privately is just how much I've enjoyed it now being in for as long as I have doing the doing everything from the basic day one stuff to now uh, I don't get complacent, but it's like second nature now. It's like muscle memory for a lot of this stuff. And I've been able to really lean on the innovation side because I have, mm. I have great team members, uh, that are working with me and I'll tell you, Melon, it's just awesome to give basic intent of what I want and watch these guys go to work. And they're just thinking shooters, um, innovation heavy, mm. and it's just a joy to sit back and watch them open up the toolbox of war and, and watch it get unleashed on different things because, um, you know, and, and in particular for me, man, this is my last one. This is my last workup. This is my last time getting to experience this side of the house and doing this. And it's just been honestly just such a joy to sit back and watch these guys work and, and buy into the culture that ultimately, um, the leadership in my group has established and maintained uh, at all levels. And it's just, it's very inspiring. And I'm just very proud of them. Like every one of them, man, I'm just very proud of them because they're just crushing it uh, along the way. And, um, you know, we're not without failure. I, I don't want to make it sound perfect because we're not, but I feel that there's like the basic standard and then there's our standard and it's very high. And we all have that understanding and respect for it. And um, I I'd probably say the other cool part is just to see the integrity. Mm. Uh, every time, including myself, whenever we mess up, there is zero, zero hesitation for guys to take ownership and say, that was me. That was on me. This is what I did. I should have done this. Or if they don't know, they're like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do in that situation. So I did mm. my best with what I knew. And then it's like, good, thank you for telling me. All right, let's go teach you how to do it the right way or let's readdress this and we move on. You make a mistake, it gets addressed and you move on and then they're not repeating the same stuff. Like the corrections yeah. are coming and it's like very clear objectives. Hey, these three things, this is what needs improved. Next, next run, we're going to do it. And we... Yeah, literally thinking through every run throughout the last three weeks, we've improved on every one. And it's new problems that present because the scenario changes and there's new problems, but they're not repetitive. And that is such a good feeling to see guys taking the information on board, applying it, and then executing it differently uh, to what to, to the effect that you need to win. So that's all I'll say about it's it. Just, but it's, it's cool. Like a, it's like a little masterclass in leadership. You, you've hit some really key, you've hit some really key stuff there. Like the the culture is number one. Yes, you've got to you've got to establish that baseline of integrity, where there's ownership of failure, there's ownership of breakdowns, and that creates the learning environment. And the only way you can instill that into the team is when the leadership start. You can't ever say, 
you know, do as I say. It has to be, here's an example. You know, I made this mistake. These are the lessons. This is how we're going to apply it. That generates that safe space where people will communicate the breakdowns. So culture, freedom to maneuver. So a clear intent from the commander, which is a military term, obviously the commander's intent, which we're, we all understand. What is the objective? Keep it like absolutely as clear and simple as possible. Mm-hmm. And then having that training and trust that you can, you can have the freedom to maneuver as problems occur so that the individuals can take the action that they know that they should take. They can immediately innovate on the spot and problem solve. And so then you, you're in a position now where you've got this huge amount of experience. You've got all this training going in. And so people are seeing the problems occurring and they know immediately in the spot what action they need to take. So you're getting innovation, problem solving, freedom of maneuver based on commander's intent. And it's going to all rest upon the culture of integrity. Yep. And, and it's, ulti- it's ultimately and- going to lead to confidence, you know, and, and that's the cool part is, uh, as I was also telling Melon, is this like, dude, he's like, what's the morale you have in your unit right now? I said, it's very, very high because yeah. guys are having fun while executing at a high level because I'm not, I'm not resting on their shoulders about every single thing or jumping on them every time mm. there's a mistake. And it's like, yeah, dude, I know I made a mistake. I know, you know, you made a mistake. Guess what? I made a mistake too. Let's have an honest conversation. We'll fix it. We'll address it and we'll move, we'll move past it and and it's gone, you know? And it's like that, that real temporary memory that you got to train yourself to have with that stuff. Um, Mm. It's just like football or rugby, you know, it's like, Hey, last play, not a good play. It got messed up. Move on. We're already ended in the next play. You know, it's so, it's so motivating to hear, honestly, you know, it's just got me thinking about family and sport and, work situation myself, just thinking about how can I be applying these things, these pillars, these principles that you've been working so hard at establishing. And it's not easy to install, to instill a culture of uh, integrity and ownership of failure and the ability to communicate and freedom to fail because you have to have the freedom to fail if you're going to have the opportunity to learn and take the mistakes. And it's a very difficult thing to instill, right? Because in every organization in the world, we all know micromanagement, the you know the drill bit coming down to tell ex- someone exactly what to do and exactly what not to do, that that just stifles morale, it stifles creativity, it stifles problem solving and innovation. And has people feel like, you know, of their 100% capacity, when someone's micromanaging them, you know, it just crushes the amount they can contribute, you know, maybe 10, 20% of their capability. Yeah. But the people in organizations know that they're going to have their success, their failures, their KPIs going to be met or not met based on the efforts of the people below them. And so everyone, when they're put in this position, the tendency will be to micromanage and have that drill bit. And it's mm-hmm. like people who haven't had the exposure and training and the personal characteristics and opportunities to learn will often not be able to resist that desire to prevent the failure to get right down and tell people what to do and it just we've all been in those situations it's like a wet fire blanket on top of all of these things that we've just been talking about so it's, a, it's this is like a microcosm this is just a miniature concentrated leadership pack that you have just been like i know you've been working really hard at this stuff for months to and to have you guys absolutely achieving and running at the level that you're running at it's just so motivating to hear man hats off to you mike oh it's not just me man i have some great uh i have some great team leaders as as well and you know i can't do it by myself and no it's it's definitely a team effort and um you know we we always have a saying and well it's like i won't say ours but you know for football it's like hey are you the quarterback or are you or are you a team player you know, mm-hmm. it's just like some people want all the glory and they want all the attention. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You're the quarterback. Like, great. But there's a still 10 other guys on offense here or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, I, I would take it. I'd rather take a team player than a phenomenal athlete uh, yeah. any day of the week. 100%. 100%. Like any day of the week. I want a team. I want a teammate. 
I want a team player. I don't want any individual out there, you know, and I, for the first time, it's, and, and they do exist in my community for the first time. I feel like Everywhere. in this group, I don't have one individual and and we're firing on all cylinders and it's great. Oh, it's so good, man. The term for those people in Australia, especially in the army is a Jack man. They're looking after Jack, which is themselves. <laughs> and that, that is, that is the worst insult in the Australian army in the Navy. Australian Navy is called a wanna looking after number one, but in the Australian army, I've seen guys just immediately come to blows when someone's been called Jack and he felt like it was uh, like, that's the worst insult. And it should be, it should be, you gotta be, you're only ever going to achieve as part of a team. Yeah. I, I, the two I hear the most is Mr. IGM, Mr. I got mine. And, uh, and of course the famous, uh, Blue Falcon, the the buddy fucker. <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you see somebody and you start like making little wing flaps and you're like, oh, cool. you know, so like you blue falcon <laughs> son of a bitch, you know. Oh wow. So I mean, everyone's got to have their special insults. I mean, and they these should be things that cut to the bone to have that accusation leveled, and it should be something that caused a bit of a shock and be like, what am I working on here? Sure. You know, am I am I running my own program or am I working towards that commander's intent? Is there I mean, and the sporting analogy everyone can understand. You know what I mean? Like if that I don't even know all the names of the, the position, but for us, like in the scrum, the biggest guys on the pitch driving against each other, like my brother Hughes right in the middle of that. And you're like, you don't even really see what they're doing. But if if that and you could be like, oh no, I'm the star, I'm the guy, I'm a wide receiver, the winger, the fastest guy on the pitch, I'm gonna score all the points. You know, like, but if that if that scrum is not held together by that tight head prop, the biggest man on the pitch, he's not very fast. He's mm-hmm. immensely strong and so on, and he's wrestling and and pushing. If he's not doing his job, you will never get the ball. And it's so easy to see when you're in that familiar sporting environment. But every <laughs> every team I've ever been in, you will have you have that tendency to like, oh, who's the star? You know, I'm only here for the for the glory. I'll I'll, I'll score the points. I don't know what those guys over there are doing. Like the back end support, you know? Yeah. I don't know. There's all those assets in the background have got to deliver to have, you know, the person on the pitch, the person in the field, the person in your SF community uh, achieve the own. That's just a massive back end operation. So it's just a huge, none of us ever achieve as an individual, right? No, never. Uh, if I was an individual, I wouldn't be here. 100% would not be here, <laughs> you know? And and that gets my mind going. A couple of things, man. It's just you know we're talking military or football, but dude, friends and family are the same thing. You know, you know, it's like, yeah, you could be the head of the household as the man and doing this, that, whatever. But it's like you still have your team. You still you all have your roles. You all. I couldn't do what I do without having support at home. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we'll get into talking about that and touching on like you know mental health and PTS and stuff like that or whatever with being able to depend on your team or different spiritual things and whatever. But, you know, it kind of flows right over, you know, like I said, it's a microcosm of of life and there's so many lessons that can be extracted out of it for what we can use outside of work. Perfect. Well, so here we are, it's June, it's mental health awareness month. And it's a great thing to just have those times where you change gears and you think about things you maybe don't normally think about. And we've been putting out a bit of product there around, uh, first responders and military uh, mental health issues. And just like we've been talking about here for the, you know, the pilot in the plane, there's just a massive team of aircraft maintenance and air traffic control and refuelers and intel and logistics and everything to get that aircraft out there doing its job in the same way that Mike's in the field with his, uh, his guys doing their as and they've got that huge support network. None of us are operating alone. And there's this, for all of us, we have our support network. We've got our, the base layer is like the community we're in. And then we've got our friends and our family that are, are behind all of us. And so we wanted to pivot our attention a little bit to how community, family, and friends can support people who are having a challenge and you know, having a mental health uh, downtime, which come to all of us. Hmm. Um, and I just wanted to, before we start, 
Mike, you had a, you just said an interesting term. I know we talked about it, but you said PTS. Yes. And I know that the standard the standard term I always hear and I'll you know bandied around myself PTSD. So maybe you can just let everyone know why you're using this term PTS and what's the difference and what do these letters mean? Yeah, and this is something honestly that's new uh, that I listened to. I'd have to go back, man, and I listened to it earlier today, uh, but it's you know, discussing post-traumatic stress and the word has changed over the years, you know, in uh, World War II, I believe it was called, um, or no, World War One, it was called shell shock. Yeah. They, they called it World War II. It was, uh, uh, what the hell was it? Then it went to Vietnam and it changed again. Then it changed again in the nineties, Gulf War syndrome or whatever else mm -hmm. they called it. And then it changed in the GWAT to post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's just been changed. And it sounds like more PC as it goes, like shell shock of just, you know, boom, like right there, it's shell shock from explosions and this, that, whatever, to post-traumatic stress disorder, you know? And it's like um, the, the people that were talking about it is just like, is it really a disorder? You know, mm -hmm. it, it's not like you were born physically messed up or mentally messed up you know like you're you're an, you're a in all in all respectful terms you're a normal person that was healthy and joined for military mm -hmm. service for an example you know there's tons of pts throughout everything but you are a normal human being that went and was exposed to extremely high levels of stress and trauma mm. for periods of time in combat that's not a disorder. You're just exposed to it. There's nothing wrong with you as a person. You're not an evil person. You're not messed up. You know what I mean? It's your body has experienced trauma and masses of massive amounts of stress. And mm. there is an effect, you know, it, it, same thing. It's like, uh, you know, I like using the, the gym aspect of it. It's like, you know, if, you, if you're going hard and you're lifting max weight as much as you can, you get to that last rep and it's like, as soon as you put it down, your leg locks up and you have some after effects of like, <laughs> holy shit, man. You're like, you know, you almost pass out or whatever. That's like an after effect yeah. because you're under extreme stress and duress, you know? And it's like, well, that's yep. what's going to happen when you expose yourself to that. It doesn't make it a disorder because your body locks up and you get cramps and you tighten up, mm. almost pass out. That's not a disorder. It's a reaction to extreme circumstances. And I really, I just really like that, man, because I, I think, yeah. um, you know, I, I definitely think I've had symptoms of PTS before. Um, my brother who is uh, wounded in Iraq, um, I know he definitely has, uh, from it. And then, you know, Kenny G and a whole bunch of other guys that we know and serve with, and some of them sometimes just use it as like, well, it's a disorder. So that makes me broken. That makes me handicapped. That makes me yeah. something wrong with me. And I'm not human. I'm not, I'm not whole. I'm, I'm this and whatever. Cause I'm, I'm part of a disorder. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. Like it, you, I, re I really like, I like the idea that there's just, you know, there's like you were saying, there's like the healthy organism, there's a normal, healthy day-to-day -day person, the way we're designed to go out and get our resources, bring it back, work for a family, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if you put anyone into a situation with these extreme levels of trauma and stress, as you've described, there's just like an exposure. And when you take the word disorder out of it, it's just someone has been exposed to very high levels of trauma and stress. Yeah. And then after that, what, what, what are the effects? And it, I really, honestly, I've only only just heard this term for everyone out there. I only just heard it like 30 minutes before we started. And I'm like, this is such a good distinction to make. And I, that clarity can come from it that there, you know, you don't need a diagnosis. And, and these things are not to say that there's not a place for them. But it can be anyone who's been exposed to high levels of trauma and stress. It could be childhood experiences. It could be, it could be anything. And all of us, will have had some level of stress and trauma, but you just imagine when you've had those very high, unusually high and maybe long-term environmental stresses, it's going to have an impact. And then you can be thinking, okay, well, what can we do? 
and it can be a bit more approachable rather than, as Mike has been saying, like that feeling of, well, I'm suffering from a disorder. Like I'm, I'm now not ordered. I've got something permanently wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's such a great distinction, Mike, and I really appreciate you bringing it to us. And I think it's a great way to frame um, some of the issues that first responders military plus just the wider community there's a lot of trauma and stress that can occur and you just think right if someone's been exposed to a larger than normal amount or larger than normal duration what can we as a community family and friends do to help these people out would you think that's a a fair way to frame the conversation that we were wanting to have today yeah it's that's perfect man and there's there's a few stories already popping my head actually i had this evening then maybe I can share as we get into this episode or whatever. So remind me of it. And if I don't, then I'm sorry. Cause you know, maybe, maybe my brain isn't working all the way at two 30 in the morning, but <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> so uh, we, we had a little conversation and I wrote just a couple of short articles that we're going to release one being just giving a bit of analogy around how family, friends in the community can support someone uh, suffering from depression and mental health challenges separate from PTS, just put a, put a story out using the analogy of a high, uh, a high rope walker, a tight rope walker. And in that one, we're talking about the individual is the up on the rope in a position of stress or having the mental health challenges. And we talked there about that depression is the unsteady path. You know, you're on that rope and you can feel like it's not safe. It's not an easy, you're not walking on the footpath and on the sidewalk. But the family, friends and community are the safety net uh, below. The, the, the friends being people either side or around the individual, offering encouragement and support, being there to extend a hand if the person is having a wobble. They can listen, making a safe space for the individual to express themselves. And sometimes it's just being present and that might give the person on the road that confidence to carry on. Mm. And the second, the second level is the frame below and that's the, the family members. So there's these un- unbreakable bonds that are the network down below and there's love, understanding and patience. And they're just there knowing this, this person knows that they're there when they need it. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is the entire safety net itself being the community. So they're ready to catch and uplift the family. They're ready to support the individual. There's organizations, support groups, resources, there's multiple layers and that can offer a comprehensive solution to the individual. So that's just the one analogy there of the, tightrope walker being the individual and it doesn't have to be military can be any of us in our hard times facing depression or mental health challenge and we're talking here about the role that the people around them can offer so just a simple little analogy there uh, around depression and and challenge and and the role that we can all have for the person who's having the hard time yeah i think it's a great analogy melon there's I always like to look at things on both sides and different aspects, extremes. I feel that there's people out there who have the safety net, uh, which is great friends and family who are always very supportive that show that unconditional love, you know, and have those uh, conversations where it's like, like all I want you to do is try your best and do what you can, but either way, I still love you and I'll always be Mm -hmm. here, you know, and I've had those conversations with my mom. You know, like, mom, I know I'm scared and I'm going to do this or I'm trying to do this or trying to accomplish this or whatever. Or even if I did something hard or very wrong, you know, she'll look at me and she'll be like, yeah, but I'm always going to be here for you. You you know, and there's just this, I mean, dude, it like kind of makes me tear up with that type of love that my mom has, you know, in particular for me. Um, and I know for your mom too, you know, um, but then I see the other side of someone that doesn't have that support net, that doesn't have the friends, the, the, the family behind them, backing them. And they're forced to make a decision of, well, 
I either just stay here and comfy and don't grow and turn into something I don't, or they still force themselves to get out on that wire and keep walking and, and try to do it on their own because they just don't want to stay where they're at. Um, I'm not saying one's better than the other because I think both paths ultimately lead uh, to success and to, and to victory and, and, and health in uh, a lot of aspects. It's just just because our pathways of getting there are different doesn't necessarily make us better than one of one another. It's like, hey, man, we both got here different paths. But the fact is, we both got here and we're both who we want to be. We're both in a better place. We're both happy. We both are more prepared to deal with the next wave or the next tightrope that we have to walk. And why don't we help each other, man? Oh, and by the way, there's other people behind us wiggling on the wire let's let's talk to them let's figure out how we can help them along too because they're good people you know it's almost like there's there's two parts where there's us as the individual and the the tight rope and as you said some will have a strong net but their family their life situations put them in a position where they've got a strong net and there'll be other people who maybe don't have that same level so we can talk about the individuals, this is another reason why it's really good to be just reaching out to your network continually and to making sure that you're the relationships we have only exist in the communication. And so if there's a relationship where there's no communication, that can be an area where you then regenerate that strand of the net by just engaging in communication with someone. Sure. And so that can be for the individual to just try and build those nets so you've got them there for when the hard times come because if it's not today it's going to be tomorrow we're all going to have loss in our life we're going to have suffering and it's you can't predict when the time's going to come so this is one reason when you think about the individual themselves these long-term benefits of being able to engage in communication and building those connections yourself then there's a second part of thinking of yourself as the support thinking of yourself as how am i acting for my network as a friend, family, or community, how engaged am I? Am I checking in on people who I haven't heard of from for a while, checking on people where I know they're having a hard time? And it doesn't have to be overt. It can just be you're there. Yeah. You're there just to support and love and that they know that they know that you're there. So I was just thinking there, Mike, around those two roles of us as the individual on the rope and us as the support people and we can work to build those connections for ourselves and at the same time you're going to be building a support network for the other people around you yeah 100 agree and another aspect that's very important that i'm thinking of because honestly i was thinking of myself at certain points in my life is whether you were the person all alone on the wire and you had to push through on your own or you were the person that had the safety net with the friends and the family and the community behind your back, whatever. There are pros to it, to each side, and there are cons to each side, and you need to be understanding. So a pro of doing it through yourself, that's pretty tough to do anything mm -hmm. on your own without support, without a safety net, uh, no matter what you do, whether it's school, whether it's work, taking a shot at a relationship, you know, like something pretty, pretty uh, intimidating. You, you still choose to go out and do it. Uh, it definitely is going to put your confidence through the roof because you're like, wow, I did this on my own and nobody helped me. Yeah. And man, I must be a really strong person. All right. And, and rightfully so. The, the pro of having the people behind you is, yeah, you have the comfort, but you're also building your community and building those relationships right? Which is key. Now, the con side of it that pops in my mind is if you keep doing things on your own all the time and don't stop to infuse yourself into that community and start building a safety net, you're still going to wind up by yourself when you need people because mm -hmm. you're probably going to build the mentality of, I don't need a I don't need a damn person in my life to do anything for me. I can do everything on my own and by myself. Well, that may be true to an extent, but mm. as life 
happens, it will humble the shit out of you and you will not be able to do something on your own and you are going to need somebody else or other people or a community or family or friends or a safety net to catch you. And I say that because of a personal experience. Um, the other side of the community side of it is if you are that, then maybe you're going to be become too dependent on the safety net and not want to take risk on your own. And you're not going to fully understand what you as an individual are capable of and dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. And you have to see both sides. You have to understand that there has to be a balance. If you're on one side, you have to make the choice to extend the hand to the other side to connect or vice versa. Because there's so many people that pop up in my mind right now that are so individual and they got that cocky attitude. I don't need you. I don't need anybody else. I'll take care of my own shit. I take care of it. And it's just like, whoa, you ain't got to be all defensive with me. I'm just trying to say hi or you know, give you a nice compliment or saying, Hey, I can give you a hand sometime, you know, or vice versa is just, you know, it's the complete opposite. And it's like, man, we all need some balance here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, those are great points. And I think, you know, being 47 and having had the life experience I've had and super prim daughter with her, incredibly difficult challenge and time in the neonatal unit and then my wife having cancer and other challenges I, I just feel like at some point the rope is like the journey you've got across is so far and the wind and the other thing the other obstacles that are going to come you're going to get to a point where there's no crossing you can make on your own mm. at some stage in life you know, that there's going to be stuff coming down where you, you are going to need people. You're going to need support. You're going to need relationships. I mean, look look at how they punish prisoners in prison. You know, they put them on their own. You know, that isolation is a real challenge for humans. And I, I, I would say that's one of the challenges. And I think that when people are having these hard times, it's one of the hardest things is to make that that call and reach out and, and lean on people as we discussed on the, on the live call the other day, Mike. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. It, you know, if I'm being honest, like I said, I usually am. <laughs> um, I like to be myself on here. I don't like to put on a facade or show. Um, I would say in the last week I've had a tough time uh, being on the road and going as hard as I can at training and then coming back at night, um, being by myself, knowing that when I go home, uh, there's nobody there, but me, uh, I don't really have any family that lives close to me. Uh, all my best friends live out of state and, uh, it's kind of like that whole thing that's like waiting for me. And honestly, it kind of pulled me down and, I had no less than four phone call conversations with people that I love and I trust to sell it to me real. Like, hey, I know why you feel like this. I get it. It's okay. But look at all these other positive things. Don't forget you have this. Don't forget this is how you've affected me. Don't forget you've affected other people. Um, you're a good person. You have a good heart. You know what I mean? And it's just like, when I feel myself wobbling on that wire, I can acknowledge it. Now it's not like I'm staring forward being like, Nope, Nope. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's like, no inside. I'm like, uh, I'm getting pretty nervous. I feel it happening. And even, you know, I'm not saying I'm Superman by any means because I'm absolutely not, but I'm a pretty strong, strong guy, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, yeah. but even I shake and it's okay but I acknowledge it. And then I know what to do as a reaction as like, man, I need to call somebody. I need to just get that reassurance that like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And this person's not going to lie to me. This, they're not going to blow smoke up my ass and, you know, tell me something like, Oh man, you're doing wonderful. They're like, Hey dude, I, you're going through it. And I know it sucks. I can barely, I can hear it in your voice. You know, I can see it in your body language. I, I know you're going through something mm -hmm. that sucks, but, but, this is what you should be happy about. And it's like, 
you're so right, man. You're how did I forget that? Like, <laughs> you know, and they just they're just there to catch me. And and um even sometimes when I want to be that individual and I'm just like, nah, I, I can do this. Um, there's always that balance that pulls me back to the other side of like, man, I got mm. I got a great team with me. You know. Is that is that other great analogy from Stu Weber's book, his amazing book, Kind of Warrior, you know, of the the scout and the wagon. Mm. You know, they talk the analogy there being the old uh wagons crossing the Appalachian mountains and heading out into the interior, into the Midwest and crossing the U S continent. And similar stuff happened in Australia and South Africa and many other places that were settled. And the analogy Stu Webber has is the individual going out, scouting the way ahead and finding water and food and safe passage and looking out for hostile forces that could be out there and people with ill intent, but then they're coming back all the time to the wagon, you know, and, and they've got a really strong reason for what they're doing. Mm. They've got, they've got a support network that needs them and that they need that there's this really healthy community effort where the people in the wagons, you know, the children and whatnot are just as important as the person going out on their own. And that there's that sense that if they were just on their own, they wouldn't, they'd run out of food and they'd run out of, motivation and everything else and they'd be beset and waylaid and that the crossing is only occurring like what what are they doing here they're bringing a community on a journey they're traveling somewhere to get to a goal that's important to them they're not doing it for themselves they're doing it for their community they they've got a strong why they get to refresh and recreate and revisit their big picture goals and you know and it's that out and back sense that you've got an individual you, there's times when you got to push on and push through, and then there's times when you got to come back and re-energize and and get connected again. And yeah. that, you know, and and there's no distance that the scout, the scout never goes, is never going to go any. Everyone's got to go that same distance. You know what I mean? Everyone's got to go on the journeys as well. There's no easy passage for the community and the wagons, but they need each other. You know, and, and it can be a very solitary experience sometimes out in front. But then like you've just been saying there, having those friends and family around you, reminding you of previous experiences, previous tough times, previous challenges, previous accomplishments or things that you've done for them can just give you that clarity again. When you've lost a bit yourself, you know, you're in it having a hard time, you're doing it. It can be so good to just have that. And I just remember you did this for me or you did this for this other person. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into my story that I said I would share because this is kind of right. And, you know, uh, we finished up training tonight and a couple of us went out to a dive bar, you know, which is real fancy here <laughs> where I'm at, you know, it's just a nice little dive bar. And, so, and for the Australians, just quickly for the Australians, these are the bars you see in US TV shows. They typically have black painted windows. They've got neon you know, Budweiser and stuff in the window. You go inside, it's quite dark when you go in. There's often a either a tiled roof or a pressed tin roof. Uh, you know, you have a couple of bar flies. There'll be booths along the side. Um, jukebox. Jukebox, a couple of pool tables, maybe some yep. darts. Do you guys have darts? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, pool, yeah. Pool. You know, I mean, you've got to paint the picture for, for an Australian audience who are not as familiar. <laughs> Well, there might be there might be music that's not pop playing. There might be country music is yeah. often being played, or some blues or some cool stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. What is it like a redneck, like a redneck type bar? But what do they call them in Australia? Bogans or something like that. Bogans. Yeah, Bogans. you know. I mean, yeah. but this this is like a country bar, or you know, the outskirts of a, a city in Australia. But I know that in the US, they're like right through the middle of LA. You can go. You can find a dive bar right anywhere where you are in the, in the US. So yeah, yeah, but people are, people are there to have a beer, to have a chat, to have a, a often a good meal. There's often good food, maybe like in Australia, maybe truck stops sort of similar, but it's dark. The windows are painted. You can't see the light outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, great, great sound in place, right? I, if you haven't been to one, please go to one and then write us a review and be like, you guys like, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> best place ever. Five stars. Um, no, so, so we were out there tonight, just kind of wrapping everything up and, 
we have uh, uh, our op four, our opposing force uh, role players and stuff. They were out there, and uh, all these guys are uh, and, and and females actually. There's there's women too. They're all veterans. These are the bad guys. These the, are the yeah 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 the actors who are fighting against Mike and his team. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of these guys are former special operations themselves. So it's it's kind of, uh, you know, they push us. They, they they already know our tactics and what we're doing, and they will hit you in a weakness as soon as possible. So it, they provide great training. So we were out anyway, just shooting the shit, sharing some stories. Hey, do you know this guy? Yeah, this guy was killed at this time. Well, I served with him. And, you know, just, just sharing. And um, I one of the guys kind of got a little emotional talking about um, one of the teammates who got killed and he went to Arlington for the first time for his memorial. And we were just talking and like how special it was to be part of something where you could, a grown man, it would make him cry. You know what I mean? Like the amount of emotion and memory and everything else that, that goes into it. And, and I, I stopped and asked him, I said, I said, Hey guys, you know, I want to ask something, you know, you guys got out of the military and, you know, you went on to do other things like, you know, and a couple of them were like, yeah, I went to college. I got a degree that I still never used. I just thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And I never used it. It was just something to do. And I was like, cool, what, where do I go? Uh, you know, whatever. And I just asked him, I said, then what brought you back here to be training us in this capacity and doing whatever. And I was like, let me throw a word at you. And I, and I want to know what you think of it. And this sparked about an hour conversation. I said, do you think this is your new purpose in your life? Dude, it was like instant. Wow. Yeah. Look I at, never thought of it like look that. Look at Mark. This, this is the guy we're dealing with here. The person you hear on the podcast and on the, on Instagram lives and on YouTube and whatnot. This is who he really is sitting in a dive bar, having a beer. There's no escape. He's going to have a real conversation. He's going to talk about stuff that impacts people. Purpose, new purpose. Yeah. <laughs> is this the first time this has ever been discussed in the dive bar you're in? Uh, probably that one. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, so good. What, what, so what was the response? Is this a new purpose? Such a challenging question, man. Well, I think, it was definitely uh, in agreement that both of them said, yeah, they definitely lost their purpose after the military, especially being in a, um, a, a special operations unit where it's very high speed and adrenaline. And, you know, you're, you're always having purpose and uh, you get direct feedback of pretty much everything that you do. It's not like you're waiting a long time. It's always direct. So when you hop off that train, that's going a thousand miles an hour, life is different you know and i surely don't know it yet but it's coming i know it's coming it's inevitable um and they both uh, yeah i lost my purpose i didn't feel like who i was i wasn't part of that community anymore i wasn't part of that team i wasn't affecting people the way i wanted to i didn't feel like i was bigger than something to myself so i was just kind of floating in this that whatever and these guys are like late 30s early 40s at their time and uh, when I brought up the whole purpose thing, they're just like, well, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I've been through a lot of stuff, you know, uh, both were combat veterans in Iraq, Afghanistan, lost a bunch of friends. I mean, they shared some stories that I, I didn't know about that are very famous stories that are just, the detail was just, uh, something I don't wish on anybody. Um, anyways, they said, you know, I'm at a point in my life now where I lived through that and I had to go through some terrible things, but now I'm here and my goal in my life is, yeah, I have another job, but I do this as a part-time thing. And if I can affect you guys and make you better and keep you alive, so you come home and he got all teared up when he said this, he goes, that's worth living for. That's my purpose in my life. And, and I just, I, I respected the hell out of him for saying it, you, you know, to, to come across that, that meaningful. Um, and I, and I've only been working with this guy, you know, really got to talk to him tonight for the first time besides shooting him when I go into a building or something, but, <laughs> you, you, you know, but besides that, you know, um, 
No, but it, it just, it, it turned into an hour conversation just about community and giving back and having purpose and maintaining meaningful things in our life. And it not one time that we discuss, you know, I do this for the money. I do this for a house. I do this for this. Yes, it's important resources and providing for family and doing all that stuff, of course, but it's bigger than that. And I think when you're struggling mentally with what the hell am I doing? Who am I helping? Why am I do even doing this anymore? And you're just grinding away, you know, and that's honestly how I felt these last couple of weeks is I've just been grinding away professionally and I come home and it's quiet or I get back to my hotel and it's quiet and it's just, it's haunting in a way of like, man, I, I kind of feel lonely if I'm being honest. Um, it's, it sucks, but when you can revisit and you can physically write down things, when people that you care about and love will look at you eye, eye to eye and give it to you straight and be like, you're really doing good things. And you need to remember who you are and what you're doing. And they share those things. That's the safety net. And that's your, you know, that's purpose. That's finding new purpose because anything that one thing we're always think we're going to have around all the time, it's, it's going to go away. And then we're going to have to be able to find something else. We have to be able to be open to something else. Um, I mean, man, I'm not a parent, but you see it all the time when, when Pete, when parents are like, Oh, my kid's 18, they're moving out. They're not going to live here anymore. I can't take care mm. of them. They're going to go out on their own. Your purpose. Yes. You'll always be their parent, but your purpose now changes because they're in their own adult life, finding their own way for the most part. And now what, now, who are you? You're not, you're not yeah. a stay home mom anymore. You're not, you're not a dad that comes home to the kids. It's an empty nest. And then what? Yeah. where's your purpose? Yeah. Your kids are grown. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're always still going to influence them and, and be there for them. Right. But it's like, now what's your daily purpose? What do you do? Do you just go on vacations every day now that your kids are moved out? You know, it's like, maybe, I don't know, maybe, but everything's always it's such here. a great point. It's such a great point, Mike, because, you know, like at 47, I, I just had this conversation a bit around this just the, just yesterday or the day before with Adam Bird, the host of uh, the owner of Heroes Media Group, which also made coffee and buying gin and other drinks. Adam and I were talking about this, like this chapter, like you're just talking about it so eloquently here about how the purpose that is serving you today as your life moves through its seasons and, you know, going through a different chapter, like you've got to create that purpose again. We were talking about this exact point, like his, his son's even further ahead than mine, you know, his son's 20 and just a, just an all-star kid, just a great kid achieving and doing great stuff with military and university. And, and it's like, what purpose do you have in this chapter? What, what purpose do you have with small kids? What purpose do you have when you're, you're a single person or when you're married and then when you have kids and then as the kids hit their teens and then as they move out, you're going to have to create it again, exactly as you've just been describing, Mike. Like you're not going to fall into the purpose. That's the purpose that's going to pull us forward, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's that you have to have that time for reflection and assessment. And all of us are going to have these things. The people in these high performance teams now are not going to be in them at some stage in the future. At some stage, we're going to, we're going to all have that arc of life into different stages. Yeah. It's such, it's such a great point and about creating your purpose again, revisiting what is it now? What am I doing? How can I be making a contribution that counts? And as you say, like, Putting a roof over the head is is important, super important, like you were just describing. But that wasn't what what these top four uh, guys were talking about. It was about that ability to contribute and pay it forward and equip you and your team with skills that will help you survive and flourish, hopefully, in times of future challenge. And I think that this is this is one of those parts of the analogy where when you're thinking of yourself as a community, you think of yourself as that net, that if you can be involved in community groups, if you can be, in, if you can be finding whatever it is for you, like these 
veterans had retired out of SF and you said they lost their purpose, but then they were able to find it again in what they're doing now, training and paying a fortnightly. <laughs> Just such a crazy idea that someone could do that part-time, that they could have a regular job and this is what they do. But they've found themselves and connected themselves into a group that matters to them. There's huge benefit to the individual that they're a strand of a safety net for you and your team at the moment. But then that's also supporting them in their day-to-day. And it, I'm sure not everyone listening is SF or former SF that is able to join a team like this, but it could just be things in your community, things that matter to you, parent groups, mm-hmm. community groups, sporting groups, you know, church groups. There's a lot of benefit to the individual when you get those connections and, you, and you're in that time of like, how do I, what is my purpose now? And it has to be a, a, an intentional creation. It's not going to be just fall over backwards and there you are in this amazing network. Yeah. It's such a great point, Mike. Yeah. There's, um, you know, something that I do uh, in particular is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being proactive with my future is, you know, I've spoken before that during the holidays, I like to go home during Thanksgiving and Christmas and I, I visit uh, the VA hospital and there's yeah. a bunch of veterans in there from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, you know, the GWAT and it all in between. And I just like to walk around and have conversations with them and make sure that they're being taken care of and just let them know they're not forgotten, man. Because if you want to talk about a superhero, some of these people laying in there are living history and have done amazing things and they're just laying in those beds. Um, I look at it as, you know, it's, it's what we should do and making mm-hmm. sure that people have been through terrible things that they're not forgotten, that their sacrifice and their pain and everything else that they've given is not for nothing. And I want them to know that, um, not just because I'm active duty, but you know, for me, for, for, for my country, it's like, I'm an American and I'm grateful for what you've done for me. You know, just even, even as a little boy, I was raised to always respect veterans for what they've done and what they've sacrificed and give. That's why I want to partially be part of this, you know, be it's bigger than me. And, um, and I sit there, but man, I'll tell you, if it's not a look into the lens of the future, that's going to be me one day. I will be an old man, God willing, (laughs) laying in a hospital bed. And I hope to God that some young man in my position comes in and does the same for me. Um, not because they want something from me or anything, but just generally because you share that connection and that support group and that community you know, for me, it's the the military, the veteran community that is so tight and we can relate and talk to each other to support one another. Um, we need to be there for one another. We need to extend the hand and reach out and make time. And I'll tell you, man, it has made me, uh, it has made me into a man that I honestly never envisioned that I could possibly achieve. And the conversations I've had with some of these grown men seasoned combat men um you know i spoke about the guy from arlington that was 93 years old 60 Mm. years difference i felt like i knew him for 30 years and he gave me some of the best advice in my entire life that helped my mental health that helped my emotional health um, which in turn helped my physical health it just gave me a completely different outlook on my life and what the hell I was doing and what my true purpose was. We did an episode before about what is your true purpose and who are you? Um, I don't know who I would be without that man, without having that conversation, without uh, having that connection to him. I don't know if he would have told me that if I never would have opened up to him and shared my experiences with him. Um you know, and then for him to look at me and says, I've never talked about this with anybody in my life. And I've known you 24 hours. Wow. Um, those people for maybe if you're listening and you're struggling, that person's out there for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, I don't know when, I, I don't know. Um, but the last part towards the end of this show that I want to have is Mellon wrote about it in this article and talked about it is don't lose faith. Don't lose faith in other people. Uh, Don't lose faith in your community and your friends and your family. 
We're all human. Mm-hmm. We're all going through stuff. We're all, we all struggle. We all have days where we just don't want to talk. We don't want to get out of bed and it's just tougher than other days. But please believe me, faith and hope are so powerful. And if you get a chance, I just really encourage you to say a prayer for someone to come along to help you. If you have someone in mind, great. If you don't, great. Um, when you're at your lowest and you don't know who to turn to from experience, please believe me when I tell you this from the bottom of my heart, from a guy that laid on the floor and prayed to him, please ask God to send you somebody that is going to help you and then just pay attention and you're going to find that person. They are going to come to you because he, he hears everything. He saved my life. Um, he saved my career. He said he made me into who I am. That's the only reason I'm here today. And the power of prayer and hope and faith overpowers everything. And I'm living testament to that. And I just want all you to know out there listening that um, I'm I'm here. Melon's here. Raph's. Well, Raph's not here right now. <laughs> Damn it. But he's he's here and he will he'll make his time available for you. Um, yeah, you know, we we're out there trying to build our own net and trying to help who we can. So I uh, just want all you out there listening to know that. Wow, that is such an eloquent and well put piece on the end there, Mark. I think that's probably the place where we should leave it. Just remembering this. If you're not the individual on the high wire at the moment having a hard time, that, that those hard times are going to come for all of us. And this this episode was not just to the individual up there, it was to all of us in our role as the friends, the family, and the community. And, you know, the encouragement, the persistence, the willingness to be there and offer your love, patience, the ability to be with people, All of these things are going to be strands that help the other people while they're having a hard time. And I think as Mike has been touching on just there at the end, that there's a huge benefit to the individual who makes those connections, like Mike talking to the 93-year-old vet in Arlington, the benefit that came to him from reaching out and connecting. You know, the more strands we can get out, the stronger that net's going to be. It's going to be for the individual as well as for the whole community. Well, great episode, man. I freaking love talking to you, mate. I get so much <laughs> out of it. It's such a boost for my day and clarity, clarity that it gives me for my week, you know, as I get out into the world. I just really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's super late where you are and you got a, a lot of stuff on your plate. So honestly, for the whole community, I really thank you for coming and uh, making the time and sharing with us. Well, all of you guys out there, list. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, man, that's what... Um... You know, I said there's individuals and there's teammates and I'm I'm just I'm just very happy that I have you and Raf on my team to be able to do this and talk about it. And, you know, it's great. And uh, the last thing I just want to share with is it's a common quote now, which is great, which is being pushed is um, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and then it will be be come someone else's survival guide you know and it's just it's absolutely true and it becomes your purpose and not about yourself but about others and then that brings you new life that brings you new fire and uh there's nothing more reward more rewarding in life than being able to see another person smile or bring them out of a dark place and share happiness and joy it's it's amazing Thanks, man. So good. All right. For everyone out there, share this out into your community. Uh, send it on to people. Remember, it doesn't have to be the person suffering on the rope. It could be the every all of us have those other roles as family, friends, and community. So please share this widely. We should normalize these conversations about mental health. I love Mike's distinction of post-traumatic stress that there's just an environment that an organism is exposed to that's stressful and there's going to be impacts later and we don't need to use the term disorder i really love that 
Um, send us in comments and suggestions for topics, questions you want us to have a go at. Uh, send in criticisms of RAF. They're always welcome. We have a <laughs> massive book of them. We read them. We read them to each other sometimes. And we love a review. If you can drop a five-star review, it helps the algorithm on all those podcast players and hopefully we'll get the message out to other people. Uh, if it's not five-star, let us know. Just send us a message. Tell us what we need to work on. If it's not uh, rough, we know that we've got to work on that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, see how you can just apply this stuff in your community over the next week. And uh, you know, this is going to be a theme we're going to try and uh, carry through the month of June, mental health awareness. So once again, we really appreciate your time. We don't take it for granted. We really, we really appreciate what you guys give us every week. So until next week, take care.